Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Jeff Venn. Jeff runs Create Studios, a 10-person agency that he runs with eight hours a week. Maybe sometimes a little bit more when he wants to put in more energy, but he can run his business for eight hours a week. He is a digital marketing agency owner, mentor to millennial and generation Z entrepreneurs. Jeff takes a forward-thinking progressive approach to how he builds and runs his business and days. Jeff, welcome to the program. Happy to be here, Brent. Been a longtime fan of the show and attendee to your conferences and programs. Yeah, dude. I feel like we didn't have an in-person event this year. And I feel like we kind of missed out on our our annual, like, hey, what's up? Like, good to see you, right? Yeah, the physical embrace. But here yeah. we are virtually, so I'll take it. <laughs> well, we've loved seeing you and supporting your agency's growth. I think, well, I mean, dude, I, I said it in the intro, I think the fact that you run your business with such little amount of time per week, I think a lot of people really want, maybe don't aren't ready for the work that is involved to get there. But I'd love to learn a little bit more about you making that journey. Did you, uh, when you started Create Studios, did you set out to make this a business that would run with minimal time investment from your standpoint, from a week-to-week point? Well, it's funny, as you mentioned, people didn't want to make the effort. But, you know, I would argue it's kind of ironic. After a while, when you start out and you're so eager to do every aspect of the business, from the sale to sending out the invoice to that last text to the customer, you can actually end up putting in a lot more work than you ever wanted, right? So the dream of like, hey, I'm going to go out on my own, control my time and my days often becomes just another mousetrap that you actually architected for yourself and got caught in. So in the beginning, no, it was probably out of a lot of pain and or, you know, a lot of times in marketing, we're creatives, right? We don't like doing the same thing every day. And we have an aptitude perhaps to do more things than just build websites or set up digital ad campaigns. So it was equal parts like a pain just because of the monotony of doing something every day and, you know, curiosity, trying uh, different things. Can I be a leader? You know, can I hire someone and you actually get them to do the job good enough to where I don't have to worry about it when the day ends? Can you paint us a picture real quick of Create Studios? Kind of, I mentioned in the intro, you're about 10 people, kind of who your typical client is. Yeah, how you guys operate? Yeah, for sure. So we're based out of Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Wonderful place to be in, but our clients are national. So say about half of them are in Jacksonville, half are national. And we've had a run in a couple of industries. So we've had a lot of success in medical. So it'd be like doctor's office, orthodontics, pediatrics, even hospitals. So medical has been a good field for us. Legal has been good. Not the ambulance chaser, DUI lawyer, show up everywhere kind, but your, you know, bread and butter corporate lawyers, estate attorneys and things like that. 
And then lastly, where we really found a sweet spot, and this is kind of reflective of Jacksonville, Florida, and where we are in the South is just those established businesses. You know, they don't have a full-fledged marketing department. They know digital is important. They're perhaps, you know, alpha males and females in their 40s and 50s, and they've been at it in a while and have some success. And so we'll latch on to those business owners and almost kind of see eye to eye, entrepreneur to entrepreneur, and they'll stick around for a long time because we've been at this since, you know, 2005. I took a brief stint in corporate wasn't for me, did really well there. And that's when I launched out doing everything on my own. So you mentioned being able to kind of hire people to replace the work that you're doing. When you choose to run the business with eight hours of time investment in a given week, what does that eight hours look like? Are you still sitting in a seat in the business around operational stuff like support or sales or doing client strategy, or are you purely just kind of leading the business, making sure that everybody's headed in the right direction? Yeah. So this has been super rewarding. I'm in a leadership position. So leadership's a cliche term. I kind of avoided it for a while. Just, you know, I'm a leader. Everybody wants to be a leader, of course, but no, I don't get interacted by the clients almost ever. I have some good strategic partner relationships or other business owners I trust, but yeah, the day-to-day work does not channel through me. And I used to be in a place where I'd wake up and email would drive my day, not because I checked it all the time, but that's where like the requests would come in, the leads would come in, the invoice responses would come in. That's kind of the, the last thing I did. And now email doesn't drive my day. I'm a big fan of dashboards, right? So fundamentally, if a business has leads in the pipeline, is closing deals and is collecting on those deals and has a profit, right? It's going to succeed. A lot of the problems are solvable. So I'm a big fan of dashboards. And of course, the sales pipeline and collections is a huge part of that. A lot can be solved outside of that if those two things are in order. So right now at Create, do you have full-time or dedicated resources for the marketing and sales component? I feel like that's some of the weakest areas for a lot of agencies that the owner ends up, because they're so strong on positioning the agency or in selling, it's one of the areas that they're kind of last to get out of. And in some cases, they find themselves very much trapped in those positions. So has Create been able to move those off of your plate? Until about a year ago this time, so time of this recording, 2021, February, I was still involved quite a bit in the sales, but more of that discovery call, and then I could kind of hand it off to the team. But in the last year, I've been able to get entirely off sales. And pretty much if a lead comes in, it goes straight to the sales team. And not only that, the delivery team got pretty engaged. So one side of the house is websites. The other side's the online marketing, the paid ads, the email marketing. So there's kind of a a rock star employee we have that does marketing and sales and is very creative. And they've been able to take that weight away from me. I will say, though, that is the hardest part. And previous to that happening, I would spend anywhere from six to about 15 hours a week on sales especially depending on if the meetings were like local or virtual. So that part is off my plate now. As far as marketing, we've grown steadily and organically over time. And we have a trusted base of customers. There's about 130 customers at any given time, 30 are super active with a retainer or some kind of website project build. So we've been fortunate to be able to work our customer base and then have strategic partner relationships. So say a PR agency, an IT company or others that, you know, they almost never break up with us. They they fall in love with us. It's kind of business owner to business owner. So those have been our two sources of leads primarily, although we'll dabble in other stuff. So marketing, I wouldn't say we totally have solved. If I wanted to grow it from where it was, because we're still in the high six-figure range, not seven figures, 
we would definitely need a more steady stream of leads. So that's actually the nut I'm working on right now with the sales and marketing person is the marketing. The sales finally got it off my plate. It's been about a year. That's what freed up a lot of the time. Because if eight hours is leadership and the sales was say eight to 13, there's the rest of the hours. Hey, what's up agency owners? I want to tell you about an exciting new software product that is really gaining traction in the digital agency world. It's an all-in-one marketing and sales platform and it's built specifically for agencies. Not only will it help you save money by replacing all of your old software tools, it creates a whole new revenue stream for your agency and you can white label it, add your branding and sell it as your own software product. That's why hundreds of agencies have already made the switch from Infusionsoft, Marketo and ActiveCampaign. You can get more info and access their unlimited agency plan for just $2.97 a month or start your free trial over at IgniteYourAgency.com. That's IgniteYourAgency.com. So getting the sales off your plate, I mean, first of all, congratulations. I know that a lot of agency owners struggle getting sales off of your plate. Did you or do you have well kind of defined constraints around what create focuses on. I find that that's one of the hardest parts about bringing in salespeople when an agency owner maybe is kind of the chief strategist and kind of dreams up these solutions that are very open, kind of an out of the box, if you will. And then the team, you know, having somebody else come in and sell those types of things can be really difficult. Does create, do you guys have packages or is your salesperson still doing custom proposals? So honestly, we serve a lot of industries, right? So it's kind of not a one size fits all, although the process runs the same every time. So a process to build a website, a process to offer a support agreement or hosting is done. So we solved that in an interesting way. First of all, for focusing on sales, I had a lot of mishaps. I'd have junior people come on and do okay. I tried to have team members sell, which, you know, for upselling or maybe a little baby thing can work. And actually hired uh, a couple of years ago, you know, uh, they were 25 hours a week. They didn't need to work full time, but a full time person. And after doing the math, you know, in eight months, we actually lost some thousands of dollars. So lots of hits and misses there. I found this when I find a little version of Jeff, in most cases, that has worked good in the business on the marketing and the creative and the sales side, that's worked good on the design side. I had to come to a place of maturity a couple of years ago for where the operations, when I started hiring people that were free form or creative like me, they actually would be too creative in the processes. So there's been this yin and yang, but fortunately I found someone who actually owned an agency on their own for a while, came on board and had a really similar skill set, and they were able to take the sales and run with it. And also we've kind of streamlined the process with our SOWs, with our package offerings, actually from one of the people that spoke at the conference a couple of years ago on that ABC packaging, we adopted that one hardcore and it worked well. So we've definitely streamlined the sales process and there's a little room for creativity in there, but the creativity is the scratching the client's itch, right? When a customer comes, they might be so concerned about a certain page or a certain aspect, they're kind of hung up on that one thing. So as long as we speak to that, part like in a custom fashion or give it attention, we find the rest kind of goes through in a standard fashion. So you've got more time available to do other things in the business. You mentioned that, you know, if you wanted to grow the business, you'd have to put in more time on the marketing side. I mean, is your intent to grow this? Or I know you've mentioned that kind of time, free time and making sure there's a business that supports your lifestyle is the priority. What are you balancing your other free time with? Yeah, for sure. So we're in this situation now with where the agency will go. I want to retire into the business, right? So I'm almost in my mid 40s. A lot of our teams anywhere from 24 on up to 36. So I'm I'm developing the leadership team, which that's gone very well over the last few years and has been rewarding. So I want them to kind of run through it with the next decade. But 
I think for the agency side, we are going to niche out and get a more predictable way to generate leads. Like the word of mouth has gotten good and our customer base is strong, but as soon as those personalities leave the agency, we know how that goes. So long-term, that's what I'm going to put some time into. As far as where I, I did with my free time, well, for a while, it's kind of like a mini vacation. When I wasn't driven by email every day, when there wasn't anything I had to do, I could kind of wake up, like have reflective, quiet time, um, spend time with my kids. I got into giving back, right, to the young Jeff in their late 20s. And so my goal here is to open a co-work space in Jacksonville and help those young millennial and Gen Z entrepreneurs. But in the meantime, I've put together some mentoring programs and run those. And then two, if you kind of don't wake up with an alarm clock, have some reflective time reading, maybe like work out at some point in the day and get started at 10 or 11, you can kind of run your day and get done around three or four and you know, go on to the next thing. So what's funny is we quickly adjust to the environment we're in. While I definitely experience a lot of free time, it doesn't necessarily feel like that, right? So still kind of working four to five-ish days a week. You're just kind of working a much more compact schedule. For sure. Yeah. And I'm kind of generating any activity, right? So we, we'll have some standard meetings that happen every week or every month. And I'll have huddles with the leadership team, but those are pretty predictable and they know what to bring my way and not. So almost all the activity I start versus it just hits me and I have to respond. And that's been a huge relief because when you're front of lines with the customers or you're doing a lot of account management and you're doing sales and perhaps the finance part, which I never like doing, isn't off your plate, it can get pretty stressful and pretty, pretty crusty at times over the years. You mentioned that you're trying to kind of give back to young Jeff. So trying to find the earlier version of you out there in the, in the public and help them, what, be a better entrepreneur, give them some frameworks to succeed more effectively? Well, I think this, and Brent, I don't know what you experienced growing up, but if you're like me, my parents, they're both professors, you know, had traditional jobs, retired, and they got me set up to go to the university. And then I got a very stable job that had a pension. I was in my 20s. And when I went to go out on my own, I was married. I had one kid. They looked at me like I was crazy. And so I think a lot of times, I mean, most people aren't don't want to be entrepreneurs and aren't fit to do that. So a lot of times it just takes a little encouragement. I know, Brent, for example, at times it got very lonely on my journey with a digital marketing agency and the community you provided and you know the systems and the training just to get me to think bigger. Definitely in like 2014, 15, what was it? Your $10,000 website proposal one? That yeah, like brought yeah. me out of some holes where I was doing everything and I was scrambling. So I think entrepreneurs definitely need encouragement and it's definitely nice when they can come together. And then lastly, you know, it's never been easier to start your own hustle or side hustle. So for people that just want to make money on the side or turn their side thing into the main thing, I'm all for it. And I'm there to support them and, you know, teach them some of those really basic principles, like having signed documents and doing good at collections and the things that for a while burned me forever caused a lot of pain. It's funny how those things that maybe seem simple, right? I mean, you almost take them for granted of having a signed contract, right? Having clients actually, you know, pay their invoices on time, right? I mean, it's sometimes these really simple things that even established agency owners forget or think like they're almost too easy to focus their attention on. I was talking to an agency owner the other day that had like high five figures in accounts receivables. And it was like, what are we doing about that? And it was like, oh, they'll pay eventually. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What are we doing about that? <laughs> you mentioned earlier developing a leadership team. And I imagine that, you know, with those types of folks, you are probably focused on a lot of simple principles to kind of pass on to that leadership team to run your business. What does the leadership team look like right now in the business? And what are some of the things that you're doing 
to get them to the point where they really feel confident they're running your business? Yeah. So a couple of things um, in terms of the leadership team, we have someone that's over the operations. So that's over the website and the delivery of the online marketing services. They're kind of responsible for the project implementation. Are they profitable? Are they meeting hours? Are we doing what we said in the SOW? Then we have someone over sales and marketing, and then we have someone over finance. So those are the three areas and they have some pretty good dashboards we have in place. So you can tell via metrics where each one of those are at. And that's proven pretty successful for us. Yeah. What are the, you mentioned dashboards earlier. So I'd love to share with our listeners, maybe some of the things that you are tracking. You mentioned that you love, you know, seeing those dashboards, seeing the health of the business. I'm a big scorecard fan myself. And I like to even connect the dots between your desire to have a dashboard or a scorecard and not being driven by email, but being driven by the numbers that are actually happening in your business. Because I I feel like sometimes if you're checking that email box, right, you can almost panic. But if you look at your dashboard and you see that your numbers are, you know, heading in the right direction, it can kind of give some context. Let's kind of cruise through your different metrics that you're tracking right now. I just think about businesses left to right from sales and operations, then finance. So what are a couple of numbers that you're keyed in on on the, on the dashboard side for sales? So back to the key metrics. We better start out with that. So key metrics to track, we talked about the sales one, which is pretty obvious, right? There's a certain uh, overhead nut that has to be hit, and there's a certain you know threshold above that that you want. So on the sales side, we have a forecast, and our goal is to have most of the costs covered by recurring revenue, right? So we have a goal of 85%. It was at 70% pre-COVID. Right now, it's down to 50. We take a little bit of a hit there. So percentage recurring revenue that covers the cost percentage of website projects that come in, the percentage of support. So all those metrics are tracked with goals. And that's pretty much how the finances run. Of course, you have the profit and loss and you have the collection side. And that is our financial dashboard in a nutshell. One tip that I found really interesting is a lot of times we track things year over year, which is pretty irrelevant. And it might've been on your podcast that I heard this. We do annual rolling averages, right? So for overhead and other things, we look back the previous 12 months and keep those. And that's been super helpful on comparisons. And another one, man, you might remember this. Uh, Brent, in your program, you have the big picture scorecard, right? Do you remember that thing? Yeah, we implemented that one with Jonathan and never looked back. So that one was more uh, high level, had like seven key metrics there. And we do it by quarter, we do it by rolling average and whatnot. What are you looking at on the operations side? So in terms of, because I feel like, you know, I'm very marketing and sales driven, very finance driven, but sometimes I think agency owners struggle on what to track in terms of, are my projects on time? How many projects is it billable hours that I should be caring about? What are you guys caring about most right now under the operations bucket? Yeah. So when we break things into one-time work and recurring, on recurring, we have that stack of monthly retainers that are always there. So we look at retention and we look at the number of hours spent and we look at customer satisfaction, right? So we'll periodically survey our customers. We'll look at the results they're getting because those you know recurring ones, if they, they come in and leave, they're not really recurring. So recurring, once again, just growing that number month over month, trying to keep the retention over 80% and making sure the hours don't exceed how many we've allocated to a specific project. On the one-time work, and I'm sure um, a lot of the audience, if they're like me, can relate to this, that's where things can get out of hand, like on a branding project or a website project. So we've really improved our scoping process on that. We have it broken down by phase, how many hours we spent. And then we like to go back and look and make sure, because a lot of times we allocate, say, 80, 120 hours, 200 hours for web design, and it would go way over. And when we looked at the hourly rate, we were making it ridiculous. So 
you know, a big project may come in and we may be so stoked on it, but we realize we didn't make any money on it. And then two, on the one-time work side, because a lot of times the one-time work is not that sexy, but it'll lead to the recurrent. And we've gotten pretty good at building websites. Any kind of mistake we get, like we used to not bill a lot up front. Well, what happens to every one-time project? It ends up going behind. So we started billing 50%, no customers complain. As soon as it got out of design, we build another 25%, no customers complain. So then when people delayed or were working with lawyers and they get a lot of casework, you know, we had almost 85% of the revenue collected by the time we went to code. So that decreased a lot of stress. And a lot of times, most clients aren't a problem at all, but you have a certain number of design passes when you're creating a branding piece or a website project or some kind of landing page. And if you don't have any wording in the contract that says not to exceed, you <laughs> like can lose all your money there. So every time we had a problem, we go back and address it in the SOW. And what that caused was this, like a lot of people in the beginning, I was really afraid to collect money, for example, because I want to show a lot of work before I build. But a lot of people, if you're stringent about it getting signed, you have a credit card agreement and get that right there. And you're like, right at project start, we're going to collect 50% at this milestone. We're going to collect the 25% more. People started respecting the process a lot more and respecting us a lot more. So I found that every time we kind of got run over and it's like a train, we went back and looked at our process and fixed that people started respecting us a lot more and we started attracting better energy. And then those people that came in, they're like, oh, we're not giving a credit card or no, we'll never get 50% deposit. Those are actually the ones that you didn't want to work with. And by having those things in place up front, we identified those red flags. So we've done a ton of work on the one-time side to make it better. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at E2MSolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. Now, I wonder what it is about being afraid to get paid because I think that that's something that, I mean, maybe thinking about my own experience, not kind of coming at this from almost the technician mindset of being able to build stuff on the web, being like, I love to design stuff, I love to code stuff and the business stuff. And this might sound surprising based on where I am now, but all the business stuff was always like secondary. It was like, oh yeah, we need to, you need to pay for this kind of thing. And I'm wondering if that's just kind of like how it is for our industry in general, that creatives like they don't start off there taking care of the business. And I think that's one of the areas people can get in so much trouble. I mean, we got in major trouble for it is just not taking the business side of the equation seriously. And it, it just, it's crazy how prominent that is that like so many people just are afraid to collect money or to ask what they're worth, right? They know they should get paid more. They know their clients, you know, getting too good of a deal, right? But they're just afraid to charge more. They're afraid to make sure they're taking care of themselves as well. Anything that you did on that? I mean, it sounds like you kind of identified problems and try to fix them in the next deal kind of iteratively. Anything else that you did to kind of overcome that fear of, of kind of making sure that you're protecting the business first? So a lot of times we wear a lot of hats in the agency, right? So we'll do the selling. We might help with the creative before we turn it over. So we get in this indebted position and it's almost like we're so excited about the vision and we want to achieve it no matter what. We neglect the simple things like writing in milestone payments and actually collecting on those. So it's almost like we got to get rid of that excitement for a second and just get even some simple contracts in place. And 
I would even have another team member or have your accountant execute that part. That way, when you go to collect it or you know that design pass, they're still eh, a little bit satisfied with, but it's not satisfied with, but it's time to bill. It's not so personal. So I think a lot of times is it's, we have it all in our head and the more we can, you know, get a CPA to do it or get some other person to do it. I found that separation really helped. I don't know. In the beginning, when I managed it all and sold it, I just wanted to please them. So if they were comfortable with any kind of design pass or anything, I wouldn't go way out of my way, like in a ludicrous way, but the answer was always yes. Or there's an interesting story and we can unpack this if you want. We used to not do a good job at charging for support. We used to not, like a website would go live and you know, for the first couple of weeks, it was cool if they wanted little things fixed. But then at week five, we didn't even have a policy in place, right? So at that point, I'd have the discussion on like, hey, you got to pay for this or this is our rate. And they'd kind of freak out and it would really sour things. And uh, you know, in the beginning, there wasn't that much of it, but over time you collected a big nut. So support turned in from probably losing a little bit every month to, you know, it makes up about 15% of our revenue right now. And it's one of our most profitable things, but that's just, you know, process of maturation. It's going to be crazy to admit this. I don't know if I've mentioned this in the show before, but for probably, man, I think when we, from 2005 till maybe a little bit in 2006, whenever we built a website, we actually offered part of our proposal said, will provide lifetime support for this project. And we thought it was like, it sounded great on paper. And I'm, I'm not kidding here. This, this was for $3,000, $4,000 projects. And I remember one time, like a couple of years into it, I was like, and maybe it was even from 2004, 2006, a couple of years into supporting a client. I estimated, I didn't even have good hours tracking. I guesstimated at how much time we had spent. And I pulled my partner aside I said, hey, remember when we launched that jewelry site for so-and-so? And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, we made about, you know, we are we had targeted $100 an hour at the time. And I said, we had, we made about $85 an hour on the project. And he was like, yeah, that sounds about right. And I said, but guess how much we've made with all the support we've provided? He was like, I don't know if I want the answer to that. And I was like, we've made $4 an hour. <laughs> and I think it's so like, and that was like the straw that broke the camel's back for us. We were like, well, how did we get in this position? We had, you know, dozens of clients and we were doing the same thing across the board. We were losing tons of money and we're like, wow, we're not, we just need to charge for this time, right? We just need to make that part of a value proposition. And that did change a lot of things. So I think a lot of agencies can get themselves into trouble, whether you include it in your proposal as a written thing like we did, or you just end up having the practice, which I think a lot of people do is they just want to be cool, right? Their client calls them up for a five minute change and they don't want to send them an invoice for that time because they feel like it's not nice or something, right? Which is a really weird mindset, but like literally That's thousands of creators have money that. Things. Yeah, it's another one of those money. And when you only have a few clients or you're doing all the work, it's easy. But if you ever want to scale, it's not. And here's the ironic thing about support. We were talking about having contracts and respecting yourself and being respected. Customers are totally cool with our support agreements. We have about 14 days included support, but after that, they sign an agreement and the credit card's on file. And we thought we'd get a lot of pushback, but honestly, we get to bill our full hourly rate every hour. We have the credit card on file and here's what happens. They'll either do it and ask for it and pay it gladly. They'll ask for a lot of stuff, realize it's going to cost a lot and either pair back or not do it all and still pay gladly. So what used to be a sore point or like, oh my God, it's the week before Christmas and we haven't heard from you for two months and you're bugging us has turned into like, yeah, call us up because they'll call within hours. They know what urgent and it's a really simple agreement. So, you know, just having those milestone payments and contracts, having a support agreement for afterwards 
has been a beautiful thing for us. And like I said, we make 15 to 20% of our revenue off support and we don't have to calculate the profit rate on support because we bill for every hour. Whereas a website, we may have a hundred hours allocated to it and it took 107, you know, it took 92. So that's an ironic thing. The thing that used to like scare us as we got bigger has become a profit center. That's awesome. Well, congrats on the success around that. Congrats on the success around your whole business in general. I think what you're doing is awesome, Jeff. You're, you're running a great team. You've got amazing core values and principles that you're running your business with. And I love that you're giving back and sharing some of this entrepreneurial knowledge with both our audience and also your local community there. Are you ready for our lightning round? Love it. Let's knock it out. What is the best advice you've ever received? Well, this one's going to be cliche, but you really got to stick with it. And I'm a creative and I'll go in a lot of directions. But honestly, if you stay at it, things will change and they'll improve in some way, shape or form to get you where you need to go. So, yeah, stay at it. There's a million ways to solve a problem, to get through a wall, to break a rock. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I would definitely say creativity and possibility, just staying open-minded and forward-thinking. And unfortunately, we're in marketing, which is you know telling stories about the future or about how you may feel once you engage in this product or service. So yeah, creativity and curiosity for sure. Can you share a tool, internet resource, or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? I would say this, Headspace, right? Headspace is the meditation app. There's Calm and others, but if you just download their free version and do their training series, that has been an amazing thing. As a creative, the brain gets spinning or you get to the end of the day or it's difficult to turn things off. And I've used Headspace well over a thousand meditation sessions in and have used it for years. So yeah, try that. Just 10 or 15 minutes a day. It makes a world of difference. Well, congrats on over a thousand sessions. I think my Headspace is... I don't know, maybe 15 or 20. So so you're way ahead of me, but we're, we're chipping away at it with one or two a month. So that's good stuff. What's a book that you'd recommend and why? Gosh, I love this one. So I find there's plenty of knowledge on you know how to run paid ad campaigns or business leadership books, but there's this book called The War of Art. So The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. He's the one who wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance movie you may remember about the golfer, but it's about breaking through those creative blocks and the mindset thing. I find mindset super important and it almost reads like a daily reader, even though it's not. So The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Awesome. Well, I'm a big Stephen Pressfield fan, so I'd love to hear that. We'll link out to The War of Art as well as Stephen Pressfield's Amazon author profile. He's got so much great stuff helping you know, a lot of his stuff is focused on writing, but I think as a creative, whether you're creating designs or code or whatever, I think you can pull a lot of nuggets from his material, The War of Art especially. So we'll link to that. We'll link out to Headspace. We'll link out to a lot of other things you mentioned on today's show, as well as give a recap of some highlights, nuggets, and key takeaways over on our show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Jeff, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? For sure. I would just go to my personal brand site. It's jeffven.com. So that's J-E-F-F-V-E-N-N.com. And I've spent a lot of time with the tribe here at YouGuru. So if you ever want to reach out and quiz me on some things or how I handled some stuff, jeffven.com. Be glad to get back with you. Very cool. So if you're out on a run or on the road or like me on your bike, 
We'll have that all organized at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. We'll link out to your personal site there. We'll also link out to your agency site. So if people want to see what kind of work you do, we'll organize that as well as some social media profiles. So basically, if you'd like to learn more about Jeff, maybe internet stalk him a little bit in a healthy, productive way, we'll make sure all that stuff is on our show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Awesome. Thank you, Brent. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale the multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.